With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spring is nearly here, and many of our listeners will be getting out their gardening tools, their overalls, or shorts to again fry their hands at raising their own vegetables. For most of us, gardening is an enjoyable hobby. And it certainly is a great thrill to see the results of your work come out of the ground right before your eyes. In other lands, many people will also be watching their spring planting grow. CARE, the cooperative for American remittances to Europe, proposes to help meet that need with their new vegetable seed package. It contains 28 varieties of vegetables. In order for families in Europe to start planting, you should order the CARE seed package right away. Total cost, with delivery guaranteed, is $4. Send your orders to Nonprofit CARE, 50 Broad Street, New York, and help a family help themselves. And you will undoubtedly hear it many more times as the days go by. Now, just in case you're hazy on exactly what it means, let me give you a rough idea. It means that the cost of your clothes and food has gone up to a point where the family budget has become somewhat strained. Well, that's one of those things. And you can't be expected to increase the family income. But there are some things you can do to help. For instance, take better care of your clothes. When you come home from school, change into old clothes before you go out to play. Take care of your health because doctors and medicines are expensive. Eat well, but don't waste. Take your full share, but eat all you take. Try not to ask mother and dad to buy you things you don't actually need. Make the best and the most of what you've got. Try to be more than usually careful of your school equipment, such as paper, pencils, and so forth. Make them last and go as far as you possibly can. Remember that all members of a family must pull together at a time like this. So do your share. You can have vegetables, lots of them, on your table next winter. You can have your own fresh vegetables on your table this summer if you have your own Victory Garden. Yes, there's no restriction on home canning and home processing of vegetables and garden fruits and berries. Plan your Victory Garden now. Get your garden plot lined up. Get the advice of a garden expert if you need it. And be prepared to grow your own for Victory. Join a garden club or community garden movement or share a garden with your neighbor. You can help win the battle of food production. You can help our fighting men get the food they need. You can help save the vital metals used in commercial canning if you grow your own victory garden in 1943. For further information, write to Victory Gardens, Washington, D.C. Victory Gardens, Washington, D.C means you've got to be smarter than ever at figuring ways to fix the meals your families want, especially since you don't have as many points as you used to. Well, the smartest thing to do is to get extra points by turning in waste fats. You know, your meat dealer will give you cash and two red points for every pound you turn in. So get going. You'll be doing yourself a favor and your country an important service, for used fats are urgently needed for military medicines, armaments, and a host of things so necessary to win this war. Strain every drop into any tin can, no glass containers, please, and turn them in as soon as you have a pound. What have you got there, son? Chips. Have one. Pass the potatoes, please, Dan. They seem pretty fond of potatoes here, too. And here. But who doesn't like the humble spud? Most of us like potatoes with our dinner, 
Just as most of us like uh, sugar without tea. One lump or two, Mrs. B. Now, both potatoes and sugar beet have to be grown and harvested. So if you want to make sure of chips with your fish and sugar with your tea, help the farmers by spending a week or more, if you can, at a volunteer agricultural camp in September or October. You're paid a shilling an hour for your work, and board and lodging cost 28 shillings a week. It's a country holiday with pay. Farmers and farm workers have worked hard to grow these crops, so let's back them up and help with the harvesting. Your head post office will tell you where to apply for full details about volunteer agricultural camps. Hey, hey, not you, Sonny. Campers must be 17 or over, but children living in the country can help the farmer from their homes. Mom, can I take this can of use back to the store and keep the money? Why, yes. But what made you think about doing that all of a sudden? Well, heck, Mom. They got a big sign in the store about it. They're paying real money for this used fat now. Yes, you may be surprised at how much dealers are paying for used fats these days. It soon counts up. You see, used fats are still needed very much. This country and the whole world are still short of oils for making soap and other industrial products. So whether you let Junior keep the change or use the money to cut down your grocery bills, it pays to save every drop of used fat. Broadcasting live from an undisclosed location in the western foothills, you're listening to Open Ears, Maine. We want to hear your pandemic stories. To call in, dial area code 515-602-9747. That's 515-602-9747. The phone lines are now open. Today is Tuesday, April 21st, 2020. Welcome to Open Ears, Maine. I'm Crash Berry, editor-at-large for Mainer, the monthly magazine in print and online at MainerNews.com. So far, according to state health officials, 888 people statewide have tested positive for COVID-19. And a Cumberland County man in his 80s is reportedly the 36th Mainer to die from the disease. Yesterday, in the state capitol, at least a couple hundred Mainers attended a rally, a Patriots Day rally, organized by Republican State Representative Chris Johansson, of Monticello to protest restrictions that were ordered by Governor Janet Mills in an attempt to slow the spread of coronavirus. Also attending this uh, demonstration, former State Rep Heather Siraki, a Scarborough Republican, and State Rep Larry Lockman from Washington County, who recently wrote in a fundraising letter that, quote, progressives see the pandemic as an opportunity to fundamentally transform Maine and America into a police state where citizens shut up and do what they're told by the quote-unquote experts. If you need to know more about Larry Lockman, visit MainerNews.com to read my story, Maine First Mania, which talks about how Lockman paid a Nebraska man to run a racist quote-unquote news site. So, curious to know why State Rep. Chris Johansson decided to lead a protest of unmasked people. Most of them were violating social distancing rules. I I watched the video, a a live feed online, and there's lots of um, 
kind of conspiratorial signs, a lot of Trump uh, flag waving, a lot of kind of end times Christian signage. There were many people with masks, but there were many people without masks. So this morning I telephoned State Rep. Chris Johansson to ask the Aroostook County lawmaker about his decision to violate the prohibition on large group gatherings. So why did you decide to hold the rally? I've been getting a lot of calls and, uh, from folks here that need to go back to work, small business people that have got no income coming in now for weeks, and, uh, and they're hurting. How did you think the rally went? I thought it went very well. It was a good crowd. There was at least 300 people on, on foot, and I think more than, than that in, in vehicles. And, and everything, everybody was peaceful, everybody had a good time. How do you respond to the criticism that many of the demonstrators weren't wearing masks or practicing social distancing? They weren't. And as, as with most of us, it's, it's a personal amount of do. You need to protect yourself. Many of them were not wearing masks or practicing social distancing, despite, I believe, didn't you ask people to do that? Yes, we did. But they didn't pay attention to you? No, sir. And why do you think that happened? I don't think they felt there was any risk. Do you believe there was any risk in holding this? No. So if someone got sick from attending your protest, are you going to feel bad about that? Well, there's there's always risk, so I'm not going to say there was none. I don't think it was significant risk. I don't think it was enough to keep me me away. I'm I'm in the uh, danger group, and it and it didn't keep me away, and I didn't wear a mask. So you have a couple hundred people from all over the state uh, meeting in one place and then going back to their own respective communities. If they're exposed to the virus, they could then introduce that virus to their own communities. You don't see that as an issue. In Southern Maine, Bath Iron works six thousand people go into work every day, and they and they go back into their community in Southern Maine. And I don't see that there's a huge medical problem with with those employees. What about all the Christian signs that were showing up? These were end times people saying the end times were near. How do you feel about them uh, supporting your protest? I was there all day, and I didn't see any of those signs. Are, are you affiliated with that that type of uh, religious thinking? No. No, but I, I, part of the protest was I don't think the churches should have been shut down like they were. And again, that should be a personal, a personal thing if you if you wish to stay away from the church. There's plenty of information out there. We're getting hit every day. And if if you want to go to church, uh, you should be able to. So do you feel that way about personal rights in general? Yes, sir. So are you pro-choice in terms of abortion? Do you think women should be able to have abortions if they want? No, sir. No? No, there's two people involved there. There's the fetus and, and the mother. Okay, I was just curious to know if you're consistent about that. What was the response from the governor's office when you announced this rally? The governor hasn't talked to us since we since the legislature uh, walked out a month ago. I, I'm sorry, she, she did have one telephone conference where she talked at us, and uh, and that was it. How about other GOP leaders? Have you heard from any of the leadership? No, they're, uh, I think they're frightened of the political risk to them if they uh, if they got involved or didn't get involved, one or the other, either way. Well, I noticed that Larry Lockman attended. Yes, sir, I saw him there. He's recently come out swinging against uh, Maine Center of Disease Control and Dr. Uh, Nirash Shah, who he called incompetent. Do you agree with that assessment from Larry Lockman? Yes, sir. With, with the number of nursing homes that are that are being overwhelmed with the disease in there, Dr. Shaw was way, way late doing what he should have been doing and taking care of those people that can't take care of themselves. Chris Johansson can take care of himself. The, those folks in the nursing homes can't, and he was way late on that. Some of those nursing homes had medical staff going to work that they knew had the flu, but they hadn't. The test hadn't come back yet. That is criminal, sir. Wait a minute. You're saying that's a criminal offense for you to go to work in a nursing home and you have the flu? Yes. How would you feel if you suddenly came down with coronavirus after this protest? Would you regret your decision to leave this? I, I think it would still be worth it. 
it would be worth it if you contracted COVID and died from it that you held this protest? Because you said you were in a risk group, so I'm I'm wondering if you exposed yourself to it and you died, how you would or got really sick, how you would feel about your protest then? No, sure, it still be it would still be worth it. Do you intend to hold any other protests? No, I think the governor's going to come to our senses and we're going to start modifying some of these restrictions, and and we won't need to. Do you believe that this epidemic came from uh, man-made sources or is a natural occurring virus? I have made up my mind which way where it came from. Did you have any outside funding for this event? No. Have you registered any websites or anything like that to promote your agenda? No, and again, that's that's why this overwhelms me that this took off like this. I, I didn't push this or try and get a lot of people down there. It just it just took off on its own. You think that's a lot of people, 200, 300 people? And, and the cars? Some of those cars were taking an hour to make make the trip around. There was a lot more people in cars than there were on foot. But all those people on foot, you're not concerned about them going back to their communities in Maine and possibly spreading infection? No. no. We've, we've got essential workers every day, and, and I haven't heard of any major medical virus flare-ups in those places. What, were there any nursing home employees there? I don't know. There, there, were, uh, there were nurses there. And I believe there was one doctor there. You had nurses and doctors at this protest. Were they wearing masks? No, I don't think they were. And were you wearing a mask? Did you shake hands with people? Yes, sir. Many. Did you wash your hands after shaking hands with people? No, sir. Okay. Thanks for your time. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. in Europe and Asia are going hungry and facing actual starvation. Therefore, it's up to us, the best-fed nation in the world, to tighten our belts. We can share a meal and save a life. And here's how. Buy only as much bread and other wheat products as you really need. Use rice, fats, and oils sparingly. Don't waste any food. Turn in your used fats and oils at the food store promptly. Plant a garden and raise as much of your family's food as you can. You are saving food for those who desperately need it when you buy less, especially when you use up those leftovers. Welcome back to the show. Joining us now on Open Ears, Maine, is Chris Gardner, all the way down east in Washington County, where he's the chair of the Washington County Commission, where he's been a county commissioner for 16 years. He's also a part-time eSport police officer and the soccer coach for Washington Academy. And despite our philosophical and political differences, when I lived in eSport about 10 years ago for about five years, we were pals because he's a very intelligent man. So welcome to the show, Chris Gardner. Well, thank you for having me on here today, uh, Crash. I appreciate that. Uh, For people that don't know about Washington County, it has uh, 35,000 residents. It's uh, about the size of Rhode Island. Heavily dependent on fishing, blueberries, wood products like tipping. Uh, Slight correction, we're only 31,000 people spread out over <laughs> 3,400 beautiful square miles here in Washington County. Um, you know, down East Maine right now, they're feeling some of the effects, if you will, of uh, everything that's going on. But for the most part, uh, we're a resilient bunch. We've always been a resilient bunch. And, uh, you know, the downturn is, is hitting us as it is everyone. We're a service-based economy as well. And uh, having some of uh, half of our businesses, if you will, shut down is uh, starting to put a little bit of a struggle on. But for the most part, again, our resiliency carries us well. In downtown Eastport, uh, for instance, uh, where there's not a lot of business to begin with, how does something like this affect the storefronts? Well, I mean, uh, the, the Eastport, and I know you've been been a few years since you've been here, Crash, and um, I will say that the downtown you know, has rebounded kind of nicely. Um, I think they got a you know a good strong business group. The Chamber of Commerce has come back pretty strong, and there's some new leadership. Uh, but this has always been a little bit of a slow time for us. We're kind of waking up in between seasons. You know, we're coming out of the winter months, coming into the summer months. So if there was a, and I hate to even use the phrase "good time" for this to happen, well, there could have been worse times. Let's just put it that way. But that being said, um, it's fast coming into, you know, our silly season, if you will, where we got to work hard and fast throughout the county for the 
tourism dollars and the service economy that we have. So uh, we're hoping to get back to work real, real soon. You posted on Facebook about some uh, misgivings you had about the current uh, state of emergency in Maine and some thoughts you had about when you could start reopening Washington County. You set the date of uh, 16th of April. What motivated you to come forward and make such a strong statement? Well, you know, again, I think that was more to start the conversation as much as anything else. I mean, as commissioners, we are somewhat limited in our role, um, but we certainly can be a voice for the people of this county, uh, a bully pulpit, if you will. Uh, and the reality behind that post was at some point in time, we have to start that conversation in that there has to be an end to all of this. You know, that's, you know, it's a one hell of a long tunnel, if you will, that has no light at the end. So we had to start uh, quantifying what it would mean to open back up. And in that post, it was just utilizing, um, you know, quite honestly, uh, the wisdom of, uh, the, you know, two most famous doctors in Maine right now, Dr. Shah and at the state CDC level and Dr. Fauci, of course, at the national level. You know, Dr. Shaw said we needed to go a, a series of, you know, time or period of time without any new cases before we can consider opening, which some people looked at as quite om ominous, if you will, like, oh, what does that mean? Well, to that degree, at the time, Washington County had gone two weeks since its one and only case had been reported and it since been re reported as recovered. And Dr. Fauci had stated that when it does come time to open, that we need to look at, you know, nationally more of a regional approach. You don't open everywhere at once. And if that's the case, be done, if regional makes some sense from the doctor's uh, thought process, well, regional can happen within the state of Maine as well. So, you know, I put that out there. It was, you know, a little bit of pulling the pin on the grenade, so to speak, and throwing it in the tent to see how many bodies were thrown on top. Uh, but it certainly started the conversation, which was good, which is what we needed to do. And for those who know me, Crash, and you know me well, I am not a shy nor a bashful person. Sometimes I run away with myself a little bit, but that's always been my calling card. I'm not afraid to call it as I see it, and I'm not afraid to engage in the debate. And it certainly spun up a lot of it, but that's what we need to do. We have to start talking about this. You know, have to, you know, and I'm going to use blunt terms here that, you know, I didn't run the percentages, right? But, you know, half the people, you know, think we should say shut down, you know, much longer, and half the people think it's high time that we get back to work. Well, if all we're doing is, is having the conversation around, well, we should just continuously stay shut down for as long as it's needed and necessary, that's effectively not addressing the care and concerns of half of our constituency. They deserve to have their concerns spoken to as well. And they're reasonable because we cannot stay in this phase forever. There has to be an end to this or we're going to face problems on the other side that are going to make this virus look pretty, uh, pretty minimal. And I think it's important to understand that in Washington County, there has only been, uh, as I understand, one case has been reported that that person has recovered. Is that accurate still? Is there only one case? Well, no. Um, as, as fate would have it, um, one day before our two-week uh, time period, um, the CDC reported that there had been another case in Washington County. Uh, but that being said, the day it was reported, it was also reported as recovered. Interesting. So we've had supposedly now two cases uh, that have been reported, and both are listed as recovered. So according to the CDC, and I know there's much discussion on, well, how do we know who doesn't have it, who hasn't been tested? I completely understand that. But according to the metric that the CDC thinks we need to track for our own safety, we have zero active cases in Washington County. There's been a shortage of testing. Has that been an issue in Washington County as well? I think the shortage in testing is, you know, is a national issue overall, and it really it begs, you know, certain questions as far as, you know, testing. What is the what is the matrix here? What what is success? We have to ask ourselves sometimes to question how you're doing, you know, in the race is well, what is success? If I don't think success is 100% of the people of the populace being tested, I, I just I just don't think that that is reasonable nor feasible. So the idea that not enough people are being tested. Well, the CDC, as I understand, the metric that they put forward, that anybody that they have deemed as necessary to be tested has been tested. I don't think there's anybody out there that the CDC has said, this person should be, tier one or tier two, they need to be tested, and for whatever reason, they haven't been. That doesn't mean that there aren't some people who think uh, they're differing opinions on who should be tested. Well, if this person's sick and they're showing symptoms, then they should be tested too. 
Well, potentially, but where do you where do you draw the line on that? The interesting thing about it is people have said that uh, there are many people out there who may have uh, symptoms and they're not being tested. Therefore, we we have to assume that they have it. But the irony is, is that there have been several cases and the only documented cases is where people who have shown the symptoms have gotten the test and they, in fact, did not have it. So what we know is by testing is that you can exhibit symptoms and not, in fact, have COVID. You could have influenza A or B or something of that like. So, you know, there's quite a lot of it's quite a lot of confusion around how all that should go. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is that we actually don't know anything, right? I mean, we should be honest about this. This is above all our pay grades, I mean, especially mine, but this is new. A lot of information isn't available, and there are all these variables. I mean, for instance, while we say, you know, there's only been two cases in Washington County, as we saw, one of the carriers in Maine was a traveling salesperson. So who knows what kind of uh, transient population that's made it into Washington County and out, because... I'm imagining you're some of your summer people, uh, the people from away are coming home. Uh, I imagine there's some uh, cross-border traffic still between Canada and Washington County. So it's not like you're an insulated bubble. There's activity, things coming in and out. Is, is that accurate? Well, that's an interesting point you bring up, Crash, because and this is what we need to just kind of remind ourselves. And this is something that I've stated in, in a secondary post that I'm sure we'll get to, but it, it balance, right? We've we got to find some balance. We have to recognize there's a lot of things that we'd like to do that we can't do. We have to recognize that we'd like to uh, eliminate all risk, but life is risk. That, that's what life is. And, and that goes to this test because here's the thing. Here's the, here's the second sentence after the everybody should be tested line. Okay, that's good for how many minutes? Well, what do you mean? Well, if we lined everybody up and, and tested them, you know, one person every five minutes, um, by the time we get to the end of the line, the person that tested negative before, if he talked to somebody who was at the front of the line, you, you know, you could be in, infected then. Because those tests, that, that I am quote-unquote corona-free is only good in a split second. Because as soon as you walk out of the doctor's office from being tested, how do you know you weren't infected then? The idea that, you know, that we can... You know, once everybody's tested, we can go back to work unless we can get all the billions of people on this earth in one room and test them all at once. Um, that is such a misnomer. We don't know about uh, who's coming uh, down the street or who we're going to bump into the grocery store. Yeah, that's part of the thing about this is that there is so much unknown. And I think that's what kind of gets people scared. You know, uh, that's why they're maybe responding uh in such a fearful manner sometimes is because they're afraid and they're not used to this. Yeah, I mean, it, that's obviously, I think that is what's driving a lot of this. And I know it's popular to beat on the media today, right? It's, it's, it's kind of the cause du jour. But to show that that is trying to transcend lines, I would encourage your listeners to uh, go check out Bill Maher. Now, Crash, as you know, you and I, we differ on a lot of politics. I consider you a dear friend, but we, we differ on a lot of politics. But I'm always willing to listen to different points of view. Bill Maher, you know, not my cup of tea, right? He's, he's not a guy that's probably on my you know, iPod top 10 list. But Bill Maher the other day has spoken to what's called, and forgive me, I hope there's 18 and above here, but what's called yeah. panic porn. Panic porn. That, that's the phrase that he used in the media right now. And for, some, for anybody who'd like to have you know, this is, you know, I'm a flag-waving, gun-toting Republican. I get it. You know what I mean? So what the hell do I know? But go listen to Bill Maher because as much as I disagreed with him, man, he, he hit it right, right down the middle. And the part of it is, is that we are spinning each other out of control. We are, we are making, we're, we're magnifying, we've all seen the, the COVID-19 germ magnified, right? I mean, that's kind of the new emoji for crying out loud on Facebook. Um, what the hell is that? I mean, what is that meant to do but to show you how, what, how scary the physical thing is that we can't see? At some point in time, we got to tap the brakes a little bit because we're winding ourselves up over a thing that we can't see and we don't understand. And for instance, here's a for instance. This, this hits close to home. We're Washington County, rural Maine. Um, so far, as of today, I'm, I'm going to say a handful, 30-some people have died from COVID in the state of Maine. Each one of those deaths, tragic, tragic. I mean, horrible. 
I, you, you will probably find most died from uh, related underlying conditions. But regardless, 30 lives were lost. Terrible thing. Terrible thing. And, and as a result, we have shut down the state. We've shut down the economy. We've, you know, we've done things that we've never done in our lifetime. Last year in the state of Maine, over, you know, over 365 people died of drug overdoses, more than one a day. If COVID-19 was killing somebody one a day, one a day, um, we, we'd, be in a, we'd be in a different place. But it's like we, we pick, for whatever reason, we pick what we're scared of. Any loss of life is horrible. But are we going to suspend you know, the world, constitutional rights, start kicking doors in over the drug epidemic? People wouldn't want us to. And over 300, and, like I said, I'd, I'd have to get the numbers, but it's better than one a day from heroin overdoses alone died last year in the state of Maine. 30 people have died from COVID-19. Most of them probably died from related, uh, related underlying health conditions. It's not like it's taken 30 of the healthiest people on the face of the earth and just knocking them out. It's not the case. We just need to find some balance. Well, we have a, we have a drug, drug epidemic that we've been battling you know, for 20 years since OxyContin sure. came out. So I, I understand that argument. But the, the only difference I would point out, too, is that there's a, there's a problem with a plague, a communicable disease, right? That there's this kind of like randomness to it. So that's why we need this kind of containment policy. And I'm wondering how many people in Washington County, which is very rural, are actually practicing that sort of, you know, uh, social distancing, stay at home, stay away from people, not having uh, Easter dinner. Well, I think by our by our design, um, you know, we could be the social distancing champions of the world, right? <laughs> We're 31,000 people spread out over 3,400 square miles. Um, we social distance by accident. Right. I mean, we're just we're, we're extremely spread out because if you put it in comparison, you know, a lot of people who kind of come at me at times saying that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not worried enough, I'm not taking it serious enough. I mean, one of the responses is, look what's going on in New York City. I mean, they're piling the bodies up again. Horrible situation, horrible situation. But with thirty one thousand people over thirty four hundred square miles in New York City crash, I'm going to test you. Do You know how, how much space you need to pack in thirty one thousand people? I don't know. 1.1 square miles, 1.1. The population density of New York City is something like 27,000 people per square mile. We're 31,000 over 3,400. So the idea that there is some you know, e, uh, equivalency here between that uh, of New York City and, and down East Maine, well, it's not that it's any less scary, but we have to recognize that the factors that put us at the highest risk just don't exist here. So if we are mindful, be smart, do the things that our grandmother taught us when we were 10 years old. You know, wash your hands. Stay away from grandma and people who are sick when you're sick. Stay home from work. Stay home from school. Did I mention wash your hands? You know, it's like we've forgotten that, you know, we, we as a nation don't wash our hands unless the government tells us to. Some of us listening right now may be believing that you're still kind of in a, uh, advocating for get back to work quick thing. But then you had a change of heart and you're now speaking balance. What happened? Well, because I recognize that, again, as much as I thought that, you know, 50 percent of our population who had a concern about being shut down and the economics and the long term societal issues that are going to come out of it weren't being advocated for. I had to, you know, I had to do a self-check myself. You know what? There still is that other half. And again, I'm just, you know, picking numbers here so somebody can fact check my numbers. But, you know, the other half in quotation marks, you know, there are con they're concerned. They're worried. I get it. So, look, if, if we're going to get through this and if we're going to find a way out, then we've got to stop pulling on d different ends of the rope, okay? We've got to recognize that e both sides have valid concerns, and what makes them valid is that they have those concerns, right? Because like you said, a lot of us above our pay grade, and even the people who's at their pay grade, it's above their knowledge. There's a lot of supposition going on. I mean, how many models, how many models have we put forth um, you know, from the quote-unquote experts that have been ultimately wrong? Right. First, it started off, there'd be several million, you know, a couple million people dying and it's been drawn all the way back down to 60,000 or whatever the number is today. I haven't checked. But the point is, is that there's a lot of unknowns. But regardless of the unknowns, if you have a concern, then it's a valid one. So we have to validate those to a certain degree. So that being the case, this is that, all right, then let's move towards opening this, this you know, um, our county, the state in general. Um, but let's also do so 
with keeping whatever uh, uh, safeguards in place that make reasonable sense. And part of that is why Washington County and our sister county in Aroostook and Piscataquis, all of which who have, you know, uh, very loosely populated counties and very few cases. You know, rural Maine has a chance to lead here in the fact that we are best suited to, you know, put our foot back in the water before everybody else and say, let's, when we start moving the state, when the experts, I won't fight the when anymore. I'll let the quote unquote experts figure out the when, but we want to be part of the how. And the how means if there's going to be a regional approach, then look at your rural counties first. The places that A, their economies are in you know death, more desperate state, and B, they have the population uh, uh, density that allows them to, again, be the social distancing champions of the world. Let's let them go first. And that's not saying, well, geez, Chris, what do you, do you want to throw them to the wolves first, be the canary in the coal mine? Absolutely not. But this just shows that if, if you're going to open up anywhere, you have to do it in places that make the most sense first. And you can do so by allowing you know, businesses to open, still keep safeguards in place for congregate homes, you know, nursing homes, places that are at the highest of risk. Keep that in place. Uh, if you still want to have the 14-day quarantine mandate for those who are visiting from other states, seems reasonable. If we want to keep limitations on stores, and how, they're, uh, how many people are allowed in them and social distancing requirements, fine. You know, that's one of those things that you can be, it is a trade-off. But if my barber wants to cut my hair, let him, and I want my barber to cut my hair, then let him cut my hair. You know, at some point in time, we have to come out of this. And rural Maine can lead in that regard because we can do it at a slower rate in a more uh, sparsely populated area and I think it can make a lot of sense because quite honestly, if we have to wait, if the state of Maine in general, Washington County specifically, if we have to wait for the all clear to be called from New York City before my barber can cut my hair, we won't make it. We just simply won't make it. Did you speak to anybody at the governor's office? Were there, were there people reaching out to you saying, uh, hold on here, commissioner, think about this from a public health perspective? No, I didn't hear anything from the governor's office. But let's just say I've been, you know, I've been a county commissioner since 2004. I've been a police officer since 1996 or seven, whatever that was. And, you know, you kind of went through the litany of the different hats that I've worn over the years. Um, I know a lot of different people from across this great state of Maine, and a lot of them um, agree with what I have to say. But if we're smart, we realize how stupid we are. If we're smart. And by that is we, we listen to people. We, we hear different points of view than our own. And some of this, and I don't want to use the word strategic because it makes it sound more nefarious than it is, but you have to be somewhat strategic in the fact that you have to, you have to validate people's concerns because the only way this works, the only way any of this works is we have to come out of this together. And if we come out of this with one side fighting the other, then we're not going to come out of it, period. So – you know, my points were taken and they were valid in the fact that rural Maine should go first. You know, when it's time, rural Maine should certainly go before Portland. Because if it doesn't, then that's foolish. To say that there's an equation between, between you know, downtown Portland and, and downtown Kasuth is, is laughable. But I had to, you know, I'll admit, like I said, if we're smart, we realize how stupid we are. And I, I listened to some, some old friends of mine, people I've known, people that have been in the, the people business for years, if you will. And they, you know, maybe realize that, okay, Chris, you're right. Okay, I'll validate the fact that you're right. But we've got to find a way to get everybody to feel comfortable with how we go about this. And you know what? That was a good moment for me. I'm still going to stand for what I believe, but I also have to recognize we've got to do things in such a way that allow us to get the ends to what we believe. And that's the push that I'm on right now. Not to get all mushy here, pal, but, you know, I'm proud of you for making that kind of adult decision, you know. Uh, I, it's, it's I am not an adult. Don't even – how dare you speak of me that way, Crash? I, I'm, I'm not an adult. I'm, I'm not calling you an adult. I'm saying you're acting like an adult. All right. <laughs> but here, here's, a, here's a question for you, though. Uh, now hearing how you've had this, you know, let's wait till the experts, and when the experts say go – Let's open up rural Maine first. I, 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 I think that sounds like a good plan. What do you think will happen in Augusta yesterday? There are two or 300 people and others in cars, many unmasked, many shaking hands. And then you know, going back to all corners of the state, 
what, what does that symbolism actually accomplish, and what are your thoughts on that kind of action? Well, it kind of gets to what you said before is, you know, I'm willing to quote unquote wait for the experts, but that doesn't come with demands. And and by that, I mean that the experts have to recognize that it's it's time to move. Right. Um, there has to be as much as I said that I, I made some mistakes and need to change my approach. You know, the experts have to recognize that, um, you know, your model started off with two million. You're down to 60,000 or less. Um, you know, you've called the lethality of this, you know, you know, at two percent, you know, Spanish flu type numbers, but those numbers were based upon, okay, and I'm picking a number here, but you know, we got a hundred, we got a hundred known cases, and two of them died. There's your two percent, right? So everybody's like, oh my God, that is so much worse than the flu. But now what's coming out days, you know, over the past few days is that well, there's millions of Americans that have it that we don't even know have it. They don't even know that they have it. Okay, but if that's the case, doesn't that change what the lethality numbers of all this is? Is it now still 2%? You know, depending on what you look at, you know, I've seen numbers that it's like 0.4% or 0.3%. You know, those are vast differences. So if that's the case, there has to be some pushback and say, look, we, we got to, you know, we're willing to quote unquote listen to the experts, but the experts, yeah, you better sh start sharpening your pencil a little bit more. Those people that showed up in Augusta yesterday were not experts. They no, were, no, 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 but yeah, I'm getting to that. But to that point, I mean, it, it, we cannot be, we cannot expect a populace, right, that is, you know, of, of free people, you know, support, uh, supposedly, but supposedly free people, um, we cannot turn our lives over blindly to the quote-unquote experts who, if they are not called to the carpet when they're getting it wrong. So I think yesterday, was it a little bit of symbolism? Sure it was. And I, I can understand why people wanted to go out. I can understand that there's a pushback. You know, Crash, as, as you know, I mean, I, I knew a guy that once rode between Canada and the United States a couple of times a day just to, to, to illustrate a point, right? I know a guy who did that. I won't tell yeah, who it yeah, is, yeah. but, but yeah, I know yeah, a guy absolutely. who – yeah, I know a guy who did that to illustrate a point. And I think probably yesterday was to illustrate a point. Now, um, are there were there risks that were taken um, yesterday, if you will, as it pertains to this pandemic? Sure, but let's be honest. You know, we have uh, you know, go to your local Walmart. Okay, you know, the irony is you can't be on a golf course because, well, for your safety, um, but you can go to a Walmart that's full of people. You know, a lot of this is I don't want to use the word window dressing because that doesn't give it the credit it deserves but a lot of it is is it, it's meant to make you feel good but when you actually look at the you know how, how much people were still co-mingling and we're still around people and and you know people wearing gloves to protect them but they're cross-contaminating everything they touch because they put on one set of gloves when they leave the house and they take them off when they get back home i mean if you step back from and look at all of this you know i hate to say it we may have mitigated the risk slightly but that risk is out there every day and what we saw yesterday in Augusta, was it more risk? Potentially, I guess. Sure, sure it is. Sure it was potentially more risk. But uh, compared to what? Compared to what? To, to not being in Augusta and instead going to the Walmart? Compared to staying at home and uh, practicing social distancing, when you go to Walmart, I mean, I saw people, many people, uh, standing close to each other. Uh, who knows what these people – if they've been exposed to it themselves, it, it just seems to be kind of a, almost like an offensive move rather than a. It's a very challenging move. one. It's yeah. a, no, it's a, it, it's symbolic, very. And, and usually symbolic is challenging. It's like okay. rolling between two countries. You know what I mean? It's, it is symbolic is meant to be challenging. I spoke to Chris Johansson, uh, the state rep who organized that, and I asked him, sure. you know, if, if, if you get – because he wasn't wearing a mask and he shook hands with people. And it just seems so crazy that someone would be able to go into that area and thinking they're making a, a powerful political statement when all the rest of us are taking very specific tactics to lessen the risk. It just seems well, like you don't really care about your community if you're going to flout all this and regardless. It's a great point. Glad you brought it up and said it the way you did, because you said the rest of us, right? The rest of us. So what you did is, you know, and, and this is what I did in the obverse. That's why this is a great conversation between you and I, right? Great conversation, because we're, we're both on you know, kind of different ends of the spectrum. 
is as much as I said, you know, damn the torpedoes full steam ahead April 16th and completely negated the concerns and worries and facts of, of people, quote unquote, on the other side, you know, purportedly. It was never my intention, but it, that's the way it looked, right? Yeah. You just said the rest of us. So, you know, are you saying that everybody else in the state of Maine who wasn't on that street yesterday agrees with you? Oh, no, I, I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they maybe are. Let's assume 50 percent. Let's go to my number. Let's go to well, my hold number. On, hold on one second. Let's just say there's a, there's a certain amount of community respect that we need at this time. And in, in times of trial and tribulation, we need to be respectful of our neighbors first and foremost, I believe. You know, as a community member, I want sure. to be able to trust my community. So suddenly, sure. if a bunch of schmucks from across the state get together, they're they're giving the middle finger to their local community by saying, hey, I'm going to go to Augusta and show how, how tough and rebellious I am. I mean, there, there's other ways to do it. That's all I'm saying. It just seems like a very offensive, uh, meaning both offense and, and you know, kind of like bad well, smelling. And, yeah, great, great, great. I mean, great point, except for the fact that, you know, it comes from the fact that the biggest thing, and I don't want to say you in, in you, but just representing one side, I'll say you. Yep. But the biggest thing that concerns you is the pandemic, right? It is this, this virus that has been you know, uh, uh, blown up both uh, you know, in film and in the media. I mean, this virus that we have been told was going to kill millions of people, which hasn't. Um, we were told initially it's just to flatten the curve. You know, it wasn't the idea of we're going to stay home until this disease is eradicated. No, we were told in the beginning, we're staying home to flatten the curve. Some people are going to die. It's what happens, right? It's called a virus. You know, it's going to take people, the, you know, immunized compromised and, and, and the older populations. We were told we're just staying home to flatten the curve, not to eradicate the disease. But now the goalposts have been moved, right? Now it's we got to stay home until we've got a vaccine and a cure and, and all that other stuff. But so the concern to you is in the biggest concern you think to your livelihood and to your life and to your family and to your friends is the disease. So that is the, this, the corner from which you formulate all your arguments. And I get it. I understand completely. Valid. But a lot of the people that are on that street yesterday, you know, they've looked at it and they'll, they'll find their experts. And there are. There are people with PhDs behind their name that disagree with Dr. Fauci and Dr. Shah. And they'll find that information and they'll go with that information. And they have determined that in their mind, the biggest issue, the biggest risk they have to them is the impending economic collapse that's going to come out of this if we don't hurry up and figure something out and get back to work. To them, that's more dangerous than the virus. And the risk to them is staying home and doing nothing. That's their risk. To you, the same risk is, uh, I mean, the, the risk is, you know, coming out. And the you know screw the the economic uh, you know ramifications of this. The virus is the most important thing. So there's the dichotomy in our views. And somebody said something the other day that I completely ripped off. I stole this and I am going to wear it out because it is brilliant. You know when people say we're all in this we're all in the same boat here, that is such a false statement. We're not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm, but we're all in very different boats. And as a result, how you handle things in your boat is going to be different than how I handle things in my boat. When you're raising the sails, I may be dropping mine. So this idea that one side has got this right, that we can't, we cannot stay closed another day. And the other side says, we can't have a protest in the state of Maine because, oh my God, people will die. We're eating each other. I hear what you're saying, but a couple of points. Uh, my larger uh, point that I've been making all through this pandemic is just how fragile our society is, how fragile Amen. Cap capitalism, how fragile your capitalism and this late stage capitalism is and how interdependent we all are. And I am hoping that good things come out of this in terms of revolutionary thought, where we, we have a shift that we see that the people who clean the Eastport nursing home are valued as much as the doctors who work at the nursing home. And I think that's a long time coming. There is a, a problem in Maine with the differences between the haves and have-nots. And we're seeing it clearly when we have a economic disruption like this, that most people, we've always said, oh, just one paycheck away from being bankrupt. Yeah, well, 
here's the proof in the pudding, right? That capitalism, yeah. especially late stage capitalism, hasn't done much to help us uh, weather the storm that we're in. And I'm not making any predictions for the future, but I'm hoping that we're we're going to come together more as a community. And, and I'm no, looking and, forward and, to a new society that we come together. I'm going to agree with you, but but I'm going to caveat it a little bit. Because and you know we've known each other a long time, so I'm going to take some liberty here, right? And I'm going to challenge you okay. a little bit in the fact that when you say you know late stage capitalism and uh, you know we got to you know we got to you know curtail that and you know we need to you know think of different ways of doing things, you know somewhere in the back of your mind, I I I think you see an you know an evil oil baron with a big cigar, you know smoking and laughing as his as his workers all collapse under his weight, right? You know and that's and that's the evil capitalism that we hear about, but I'm going to take that a little different. You're right. I think we are going to learn that there's a lot of things that we should be doing differently. Okay, and this is what we're going to learn: is um, you know we have shut off um, Hollywood, and we have shut off you know NBA basketball players and baseball players that make millions and millions of dollars, right? And you know what? We've we've all survived. Um, we have watched you know every government agency in the world practically go to uh, like to no hours, right? You know, nobody's getting a permit, you know, through uh, the Land Use Planning Commission or the DEP or, you know, and I'm not picking on them, right? But we've shut all that off. And government really, besides going on TV and trying to figure out why we didn't have more masks stockpiled and, you know, telling us all to wash our hands, uh, the legislature's not in. Nobody's making a bunch of laws. Nobody's having a bunch of things going on. Uh, And you know what? Life's pretty, you know, life's pretty good um, you know, without that stuff going on. I mean, it's horrible in other ways. So you're right. I think there are a lot of things we can come out of. But, you know, for instance, uh, you know, these, you know, they announced the other day, Harvard got $9 million, uh, you know, out of the CARES Act because their $40 billion endowment needed that $9 million, right? They needed that. You know, the Kennedy senator needed $25 million in the recovery because at the same time, there are restaurants, chains, huge restaurant chains that are uh, taking the free government money and running away with it. And well, well but my my thing is, is I'm cool. I'm cool with some wing clipping here. But understand that you know the proverbial right left uh, argument and discussion that's going on. There's going to there needs to be some wing clipping on the left too. Government is huge. Is too big. It's huge. Right now, right now, you know people from you know what people need from their governance. They need some. They need. They're, they're talking to their local government. Why? Because the, their federal government and, to some degree, their state government, all they're doing is fighting with each other and trying to figure out who can outgovernment the other. Okay, so there needs to be some wing clipping there. Um, all the things that we've done without them, and, and how much money and, and 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 prowess that we put on on you know Hollywood, you know what? They've gone away. You know they're singing you know Imagine in a YouTube video because they're trying to stay relevant. And, and to your point about yesterday, you know, at the rally, I mean, I don't want to let this go unchecked that, oh, there was people of all, you know, you know, it turned into a political rally. You've been around the game a long time, right? You know, we, we could have, and I'll use Bernie, right? You said Trump, I'll say Bernie. We could have a Bernie rally there that's really just about, you know, empowering the worker. Dude, give me a camera in 10 minutes and I can find you a, a bag full of crazies at a Bernie rally. Just as fast as you can find it at any other rally. So this idea well, that there's some moral high ground on rallies is nonsense. I'm no supporter. I'm not even a Bernie uh, bro or whatever, but I'm saying you're not going to see a Bernie rally during a pandemic with people fla- flaunting, look, I'm not wearing a mask. And, you know, uh, I agree with the clipping of the wings. One thing I want to stress, though, is, you know, who's really uh, the good government and worker that we have to be thinking about are the rank and file workers uh, what, who are the ones handling the unemployment calls rank and file workers who are the ones on the front lines of health care whether it be public health service or or you know research people those are workers what you're talking about are bureaucrats because you know i think we need to clip our bureaucrats i think we have too many commissioners and the sub commissioners and we meanwhile not enough people on the phones I just want to ask a couple more questions, bring it back down to eSport for a second here. A lot of people are probably wondering, what's going to happen to the 4th of July? Uh, thousands of people flock to eSport, and you literally cannot move around. I remember my first 4th of July there. I was shocked. It was like you're in Old Orchard Beach on the busiest day of summer, right down on the, on, on the front street of Water Street. There. Uh, the place is pandemonium. All the eSporters who've moved away to the four corners of the globe come home for 4th of July. 
no social distancing. What's going to happen with that? Well, you know, the irony in that is, boy, I I hope they let us out of our houses so we can celebrate our independence. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, look, I, I think a lot of that is, you know, still in flux, and I would, you know, I would encourage you to defer to city leadership as far as, you know, they're going to have to make some decisions there, I'm sure. But, you know, again, it, it, it is not lost on anybody who uh, appreciates good irony that, Boy, I really hope that the government lets us out of our houses in time to celebrate our independence. And to flip that even further, if, if we think about you know everyone down in Washington County that's in you know um, a business often says you know they make or break their year on Fourth of July and how that would have such longer-reaching economic impact sure. than this period right now where you know there's not a lot going on uh, uh i know you wear many hats down in washington county uh you're also involved with the port authority there what what happens in terms of shipping uh international cargo coming in and out of the port sure. at this point is that still going on yeah cargo is still in and out of the port i mean we're part of the logistics supply chain what people don't realize is i think it's and i'm going to Somebody can fact check my number, but it's something like 85% of all the goods in the world at some point in time ride upon the ocean. That's that's amazing, right, if you, if you think of that stat. So, um, you know, we are very much part of the global global trade, if you will. People don't realize that here in our little corner of the earth in Eastport, Maine, uh, that's a role that we play. And, and that continues. Um, you know, we're under the watchful eye of the United States Coast Guard and, you know, the CDC, Customs Border Protection. As you can imagine, there's a litany of, of uh, regulations and, and processes that we have to go through to ensure, quote, unquote, safety. So we're, we're still doing that. On the cruise ship side of the house, which is, you know, obviously uh, kind of a hot button issue, if you will, you know, right now our early season cruising has been canceled. You know, those uh, those are right in the heart of the uh, of the pandemic, if you will, and uh, those were those were canceled. Our season is a little bifurcated, if you will, in the sense we had a lot early and then we have a lot late. Um, you know, our our second season on cruising actually doesn't pick up till end of summer, beginning of fall, so there's still some time. Right. Um, I think it's unrealistic to think that there won't be some reverberations throughout that that industry coming out on the other side of that. I think that's we can just expect it. It's going to happen um, to what degree they're going to be. I don't know yet. And, you know, anybody, anybody who's claiming to be an expert in anything right now and trying to forecast the future, you know, besides being a talking head on CNN or Fox News, they're really not worth much of their salt right now because I don't think anybody has done a very good job of predicting anything as it pertains to this. So um, I'd be just as foolish to try to figure out the cruise ship industry. With that, thank you very much. Chris Gardner has been our guest. He's the chair of the Washington County Commission, a county commissioner for over 16 years. And uh, he is a very, very smart dude, even if he is a right-wing nut job. <laughs> oh, wait, did I say that? <laughs> no, and you know what? I will take that. That is a badge of honor coming from you, my friend. All the best. <laughs> What I have to say to you now, gang, won't take much more than a minute. But it's serious and important, so please don't go away. As you've no doubt noticed, we haven't anything to sell in this program right now. That is, no commercial product, I mean. Well, that gives us an opportunity to sell you something that's bigger than anything you can buy. Heat. That's something you can't buy with money, but which you can assure by simply learning how to understand and live with your neighbor. You see... When people try to understand each other, they find it's really easy. Honest it is. All you have to do is accept the fact that although all men are in truth created equal, there are certain differences. There must be. Such as, for instance, we can't all look alike exactly. We can't be expected to think alike exactly. And although we all worship God, we need not necessarily all do so in the same way. But those things don't make us really different because underneath all that, we're all people, human beings. And with that as a basic truth, can you see any need for quarreling and name-calling and other such things that make for unhappiness? Of course not. So from now on, in your daily contact with other boys and girls and grown-ups, try to keep that in mind. That's what the United Nations is trying to accomplish on a worldwide scale, because that's the only way to ensure peace. Thanks to Chris Gardner for his perspective. I want to hear your pandemic stories. Um, I want to hear about heroes and helpers. And if you know of any villains, 
in these uncertain times, drop me an email at crash at crashberry.com. And if you enjoy true crime podcasts, check out devilsanddirtbags.com. Coming up on Open Ears Maine, we'll speak to a Maine lawyer on how COVID-19 is impacting child custody agreements and other legal issues. Plus, we'll be talking to a barber and a restaurant owner on their business, or lack thereof, during the pandemic. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 